Ravage Love. November 2020, it's election week, Julie. It is. How are you, Renee? So good. Anxiety, you know. How are you doing? Same. Um, The second that the U.S. election results started coming in and it was clear that it was going to be real close, Mm -hmm. I, I, I felt defeated from the jump. I'll be honest, the fact that it's close... Uh, is really telling and that's really sad and as a Canadian I'm deeply concerned that that sentiment is going to waft up north but on a positive note it did give us it did give us an excuse to read political (laughs) (laughs) erotica (laughs) and read erotica we did (laughs) Oh, shit, did we ever. Mine was extremely on brand for what's going on in the world right now. Um, Yours kicked it a little bit more historical, but it was real fun to look up stories related to politics, elections, that kind of thing. And it was so hard to choose. I really wanted to read the erotica about Ted Cruz being the Zodiac killer. Um, (laughs) Like I really had my heart set on it, but I actually found one that just came out like recently. So I, I picked that up and I'm really excited. Love it. I, um, yeah, uh, I think I should just launch into it because my book is cuckoo for Cocoa Pops. (laughs) (laughs) And, (laughs) And, uh, real short. So, um, my book was from the Kindle store, so you know that's where we usually find like the true gems, the true gems. <laughs> um, and I was suggested. <laughs> <laughs> I knew right away. So the name of this particular book, whew, prepare yourself. It's called Mr. P. Resident, <laughs> P.E.E. by Peter Rant, and it says right on the cover satirical political erotica and i was like okay okay uh and i will read the foreword to you before i give you the description okay i'm a jerk and i'm tired of what's going on since i have little political power and even less common sense i've decided to vent my frustrations through completely inappropriate erotic political satire i hope that you may find humor and comfort in my ridiculous story signed peter brandt (laughs) so (laughs) knowing that uh, the book starts, so chapter one is literally called An Idiot in Moscow, circa 2014-2015. Okay. And a billionaire, and every time billionaire is used, it's used in quote, which I appreciated. <laughs> a billionaire named Rump is in Russia meeting with Putin, <laughs> literally the French-Canadian French Riker delicacy. <laughs> he is he is meeting with Putin in Moscow and essentially Putin is trying to convince him that he should run for president of the United States and that if he ran for president of the United States they could build alliances between the US and Russia we could mend fences and also think of how much we would benefit you're a businessman I'm the Kremlin <laughs> I like let's go into cahoots together and Rump is like kind of into it, but a little bit trepidatious. And that's when shit takes a turn because Putin drugs him. And then, yeah. And then Rump 
falls asleep in his chair and then puts in calls in a couple that are in like the gulag somewhere uh just these like hot early 20 year old people and says you have to fuck and sexually humiliate this man and yeah so i'm like fuck but i think i think the author attempts throughout to make it less rapey frankly um i don't know that i'm buying it but anyways so he calls in this these two young people and says like if you sexually humiliate this man i will let you go free and then they go to do it and he's like uh he's drugged you can't do it while he's drugged and asleep that's inappropriate um (laughs) plus you need to warm yourselves up so why don't you guys just like explore each other so then they are like doing it with trepidation but then they're like oh no i'm actually into it so then Putsin goes uh, to look through a two-way mirror and just watches this couple just bang it out hard. Then, uh, and he's like jerking off while he watches them do this. And, classic. I mean, classic, right? So then Rump wakes up and then they decide, perfect, we're going to get in on the fun here. And so Putsin comes back into the room and it is filthy. He fucks the dude uh, and like over rump's face and then so it's like dripping on him Uh. and then like he gets the woman they like fuck the anyways it's like this whole disgusting filthy ongoing thing and then the woman's like we need to stop because i need to pee and we all know where this is going we know where it's going he gets her to like squat over rump's face and just give him a little golden shower and at the end it's sort of implied that everyone just had a grand old time and uh, you know cheers to mother russia <laughs> what <laughs> oh, yeah girl literally that's how it ends like that's the like, story that's the whole story And it literally ends with like Rump is crying and Putsin leads down, and I'll just read it to you, leads down a gentle smile on his face as he spoke. If you are a good boy, this will be the last trip to my country that will end in humiliation for you. However, I will not offer mercy should you even show the slightest sign of wavering in our arrangement. We will let you marinate on this for a while. Please enjoy Please enjoy our hospitality before your flight, sir. With a scowl, he stood, gesturing for the nude couple to redress and leave with him. Rump sat in the puddle of piss, ass juice, come and sweat while crying. The end. I mean, okay. If this is supposed to be like a satire on Trump, I mean, that's almost too good for him. Um... But I don't, mm, yeah, I don't, mm, not, mm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I <laughs> brought this book to your attention. <laughs> I mean, so am I. I will say, one, I think I read the entire thing in 15 minutes or less. Okay. <laughs> so it wasn't an excruciating process. But I think what bummed me out the most is this guy can write. Like, the writing was really good. And there was no there was no typos. It was actually like pretty clever in some of the parts and like he had like he painted the scene of like puts in kind of like 
wandering around the room, but like trying to assert his dominance through body language and stuff. Like it has like this dude who wrote this, if you know, I'm assuming Peter Rant is a dude, but like write other things because it was <laughs> like your writing is good. I just was like, whoa, there's making a point, and then there's really driving it home. <laughs> so uh in terms of general descriptions, I mean they were all there. And in terms of spice factor zero i mean there might have been some hotness when the couple were like fucking each other because they were super into it and he like she was tiny and he like picked her up and like banged her against the wall which is like a hollywood um fantasy that many people have so i'm like so that maybe i'd give it one but then it would just kept cutting to like puts in stroking his meat behind <laughs> oh, a, no. a two-way mirror and i was like do not offend my people's delicacy <laughs> uh yeah so that was mr p resident a satirical political erotica by peter rant wow i am sorry <laughs> <laughs> so am i so now tell me mm. what what did you read i loved my book this week um it was a very nice change from the things I read in October. Now I'm going to explain to you why I chose this book. Uh, like I said, I had originally picked the Ted Cruz Zodiac killer one because you know, that's my favorite story of all time. Oh, it's, um, your, it's your ultimate favorite conspiracy theory. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Um, and when I went to the Kindle store to get it, I saw this new book that had not shown up before and it's by an author called Wit Slorp and it's brand new, but the cover looks like a goosebumps cover so it says instead of goosebumps it says chill pimples and then it's got like the purse like an old goosebumps book like 1990s goosebumps and then it's got abraham lincoln on it and a hannibal lecter mask and it's called abrahamable lectern <laughs> and it's phenomenal um it was such a fun read written so well and then the fun thing about wit slorp is that he paints the covers and that's beautiful yeah they're beautiful so he has three books that were just released like last week he's got the oh my god the titles are so so funny so there's abrahamable lectern which i read and it's part of the chill pimples collection so there will be more then there's pinocchio and the wooden circus plot um and it's part of the party boys gay adventure series and then the Hidden Valley Ranch of Studs Mystery, the Nancy Screw Adult Adventure series book. But he's got two more coming up, and there's one that I think we should read. So this one is My A-Hole Fell Into a K-Hole, and it's a choose-your-own-adventure book. <laughs> and this other one, which I had to send to my brother, it's called Are You There, God? I thought I heard Jessica masturbating, but it was just her grandma stirring a pot of shells and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> which is a delicacy in my home growing up where my mother made shells and o's which is shell pasta cheese whiz sauce and olives <laughs> and it was too good so i am so excited about this author um i don't know anything else, anything else about him but if you get a chance to go check him out online like his covers are hilarious like they're so well painted uh, and they're paintings like they're legit paintings so I loved my book. Here's what he wrote at the beginning of his book. He said, as a proud member of the queer community and an allegiant feminist, I hold all gender expressions, sexuality, and fetishes in the highest esteem. 
While I intend to continue writing a multitude of diverse characters into humorous contexts, my heart will always be in support of outliers, minorities, and the oppressed. Any use of humor is intended to parody the style of the original stories or the erotic genre, not to diverse cast of characters, sexuality, gender expression, race, or particular sexual pro pro proclivities. My objective is pure, to entertain without pain, emotional pain that is. I've never had a problem issuing a good spanking. And then the next page, it tells you what you have to look for in this book. And it says, this Chill Pimple series title contains gay sexual relations, murder, and cannibalism. So it just kind of took a twist. But I, oh, I love this book. So this is a story about Hannibal Lectern, a known cannibal. Um, he's a doctor, of course. I don't know what he's a doctor of. But it opens with him and his, uh, I guess, colleague Oscar and Oscar is a physicist and they live in the distant future where um, they understand that there's multiple timelines there's multiple universes the whole kit and caboodle and they know that in their timeline um, because Abraham Lincoln was kidnapped um, the civil war that always needed to happen is taking place in the future which means that they have more sophisticated technology and weapons meaning more people are getting hurt so Hannibal Lectern has to go back in time to prevent Lincoln's kidnapping. So he and Oscar are like banging and then um, Hannibal has to wear his mask. Otherwise, like he becomes frenzied during intercourse and he'll like eat the person that he's with. Oscar, who like loves him, accepts that um, Hannibal's never going to love him, not in this timeline. And he's kind of resigned to that fate. So when Hannibal takes off his mask, he recognizes that he's going to be eaten and he's okay with it. So I was like, oh, consent. Okay. <laughs> That's really nice. So um, Hannibal gets into his time machine and he goes back in time and lands on top of a train. And he lands on this train, but immediately is about to go into a tunnel. So the train, the, the, the tunnel just wipes out his time machine. Now Hannibal's a psychopath. And a serial killer. So he's very cool and collected. And he's just sort of like, okay, well, this is where I live now. I live in this time period. Um, so he is over the window of Lincoln's little uh, cabin. And these two men climb on top of the train to try and get in and, and kidnap him. And Hannibal just like slices their eyes open and is like, you did. And he throws them off the train. And then he jumps in through the window and he explains to Abraham Lincoln who he is. He's like, I'm from the future. I'm here to prevent your kidnapping. Um, I just did that. You're good. And he explains the whole civil war aspect of it. Um, and then he, Abraham Lincoln believes him and is like, eh, cool. And so he joins his entourage. Now, of course, the kidnapping was orchestrated by John Booth, um, who lives with like a bunch of other men. John Booth is a queer man, but because of his upbringing, he lives with a lot of shame around it. So he he's very homophobic. Um, Abraham Lincoln is also a gay man, as is Mary Lincoln. is a lesbian in this book. So everybody's just gay. So we move forward in time. The Civil War has happened and it's over. Uh, Lincoln has freed the slaves, the whole kit and caboodle. John Booth is pissed. He's so pissed because he and his comrades um, make their living off slavery, you know, and they, they make a lot of money because of it. And so they're really unhappy with his decision. Now, I don't think the timeline that Hannibal Lecter is coming from had the Lincoln assassination. Um, 
So that's where we end up. Uh, Hannibal and Lincoln have this really beautiful relationship where they love each other very much. And Hannibal is learning to kind of like have empathy um, and not just be like a crazy psychopath all the time. And Lincoln totally accepts him for who he is and understands that he is a cannibal, can't really help it. So, um, you know, they have like a lot of discussion and consent around their sexual activities, making sure that, you know, Lincoln is safe and that, you know, Hannibal doesn't feel bad if he's all like wanting to eat him. Um, so Lincoln's really tired. He's just, you know, gotten through the civil war and Hannibal's like, let me take you to a play. Like, let's go see a play. Um, and it's, it's John Booth's friend who's in the play and John Booth learns that Lincoln is going to be there. So of course he, he gets in there. And then when he goes to open the curtain, he realizes that like Lincoln and Hannibal are an item because they're holding hands. And he's like, it's disgusting. Blah, blah, blah. And so he shoots Lincoln, um, like just as Hannibal is like noticing it and he kills Abraham Lincoln and Hannibal is devastated. And he has this like really lovely moment, like with, with Abraham Lincoln as he's dying. And he's like, you know, oh, you kind of like taught me how to love and all this stuff, put down my defenses. But then he's like, I guess I'm going to have to go kill this guy. So um, John Booth is back at his home and everybody's like, oh, you're a legend, but he's broken his leg. And so at one point he wakes up after like having a bunch of medicine and stuff. And he's like, oh, I have to pee and I need more medicine, but it's not in here. So he goes and like kind of hops into the other room. Um, and there's like some like fanfare put up, like, um, kind of similar to the booth that um, Lincoln was in at the theater. And so he's like, oh my God, you guys, that was so nice. And, um, but nobody's there and no, like nobody's answering him. And so then he finds out that like, oh, his friends have been horribly murdered and like the streamers are actually like intestines and like all this stuff. And he's like, oh shit. Now, Abraham Lincoln in this story wears a beard like he doesn't actually have a beard he wears it as a disguise along with his giant hat so hannibal has put on his mask and the beard and the hat to go scare him to be like i'm a ghost but then also eat him so he does that and then justice is served um it was hot for gay sex between like two men it was hot even the scenes with John Booth, like it was, they were pretty sexy. I'm going to give it that. Um, also major points of the story for like the tender loving story between a cannibal and a president. I thought <laughs> it was so tender and lovely. Um, and I was so happy with that. Um, also the vengeance for a lover. I thought that was just lovely. Um, you know what? Five out of five nice candies for for the story and for the for the steaminess it was short it was good um extremely well written like i cannot stress that enough it was so well written and i liked it so much that i messaged wit slorp to tell him how much i liked his book um and i'm gonna find other reasons in our show to watch these other one or read these other books with you so um it was great it was really great and i mean genital descriptions it was all penises and and dicks and jism and all that stuff um you know the huge there was no there were no pussies in this story with the exception of uh mary lincoln who had a relationship with another woman um abigail proctor i don't know who that is but that's who she was with and yeah so civil war ended 
Hannibal Lecter and saved the day, but could not prevent his assassination of his lover. And uh, that's, but, but justice was served. Just desserts. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it was great. I really enjoyed it. I did a lot. <laughs> well, what, uh, what you gonna read for us? I'm going to read the scene where um, uh, Lincoln has just been attacked. And the reason I'm going to read it is because it's just like so tender and lovely um, that I want to share it with everybody. Um, So I'm not reading a sex scene this week. All right, here we go. When an usher arrived to revive Hannibal with a tiny bottle of smelling salts, the usher had shown him to the Peterson house across the street where Abe had been carried by several theater goers. His head had been crudely bandaged by Dr. Leal, who happened to be in attendance that evening. The Surgeon General had inspected the injury and concluded that he would certainly die from the head wound. Hannibal arrived at the house and a small group of supporters sat in the drawing room sobbing and praying. Mary Lincoln, sensitive to the true extent of Hannibal's discreet relationship with Abe, had cleared the bedroom. I want you to have some time at his bedside with him. I know he'd want that. You've been such a salve for us both. I know he treasures you. Lincoln remained unconscious, his head surrounded by a halo of deep red soaked into the pillow. Hannibal took his hand. I'm afraid I failed you. I came here to do one thing. We did the impossible together. We rewrote history and you showed me my emotional capacity. You removed my mask in a manner of speaking, of course. I didn't know that was possible. I don't regret that. I just regret lowering my defenses. I failed you and I'm shattered. I lost myself in us and it all felt so impenetrable. I thought we were bulletproof. Now, here we are. He heard Mary outside gently stalling the visitor from entering. Abe, I don't know if I can keep going alone. I'm lost here without you. Lincoln stirred. He sighed a long labored breath. Silence. Hannibal knew he was gone. Then... Hannibal sobbed quietly. He couldn't recall the last time he cried, maybe childhood. His mind raced. After a while, he picked up the tall felt hat and ran his fingers around the brim. He instinctively placed it on his head. Hey, Abe, is this sacrilegious? He asked, smiling through the tears. You know I was only with you for your ridiculous hat. Two tears dropped simultaneously onto the leg of his trousers. I know you're laughing somewhere. He wiped his cheeks. His smile faded and his brow furrowed. He thought of the gunman. A torrent of emotions, visions, and smells assaulted his senses like a slideshow. The man jumping through the plume of gun smoke, disappearing over the ledge like a vampire. The landscape unfurled under the moon by the cottage. The clatter of Tucker's hooves as they rode in the carriage. The scented handkerchief Abe carried when he hadn't bathed for days. Then he smelled else. Gunpowder and smoke. Bourbon. Tobacco. Blood. Pheromones. Evil. He bent down and kissed Lincoln's forehead. Let's go right another wrong. He took the mask out of his coat pocket, strapped it over the lower half of his face, and slipped out the window, still wearing the stovepipe hat, blood and all. That is Abrahamable Lectern by Witslorp. But it's so beautiful. They go to like a cabin and it's all tender and lovely and they watch the sunset and they fuck and it's beautiful. It's good. So I love it. I love I it. I loved it too. 
I love it on its own, but I also love it because mine was not the same experience. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. No, but in terms of like tenderness, there is no tenderness. Um, I just needed this so badly, Julie. <laughs> oh, you read the most disturbing stuff during October. So I did. absolutely take the victory. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going to read you a little piece of... Um, <laughs> of this that's not related to any of the sexual humiliation that may or may not have been consensual oh so, like a paragraph great <laughs> yeah so like uh it's, yeah so it's real small so this is a chapter two chapter two is called fall of the turd right <laughs> um <laughs> and Putin is trying to convince rump to run for politics and he's now drugged him and waiting for, he's about to drug him and he's waiting for it to, to kick in. <clears throat> so, oh, and the context he's referring to lies. So he basically spends chapter one just gassing up Rump, being like, you're great, you're amazing, you're amazing, you're gonna make this great. And he's like, it makes him sick to his stomach because he knows it's a lie, but he's like, I gotta do it. So, <clears throat> The lies pained Putsin, but he needed Rump's blind excitement if the trap was going to work. Winking at a camera behind Rump's back, he pressed on. <sighs> okay. I'm gonna try to do a Russian accent. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. Doesn't President Ronald Rump have a nice ring to it? <laughs> is, is that German? Is that German? I don't even know. You don't even have to worry about how. Just announce your campaign and let America hear you. What do you think? Rump answered quickly, as though he expected the offer to be taken away. Of course he said yes, not that it really would have mattered. They'd finish their meeting with a drink, and soon Rump would be groggier and hornier than a co-ed at a frat house after midnight. Putsin kept Ron distracted while he waited, commiserating over political correctness and young women. Knowing what was to come, Putsin had to hide his smile. While gay sex was disgusting to him, he admitted it had its place, especially in asserting one's dominance. Yuck. When the wrinkly old tower of fat finally started showing signs of being drugged, <laughs> oh yeah, Putsin's charismatic charm evaporated. His critical eyes stared at Lardy McTurd face as he slowly, <laughs> as he slowly crumbled to the ground. Turning around to the camera, he gave two thumbs up while enjoying a rare moment of genuine humor. He walked back over to Turnip Von Fuckstick and marveled at the creature he'd chosen to lead America to civil war. Ambitious as it was, he'd promised that within two terms, he could end the short-lived reign of stupidity that was American culture. He spat on the incapacitated billionaire and then unbarred the doors. With access to the room restored, his guards dragged in two dirty teens, a male and a female. They were skinny and wide-eyed from their time in custody, yet, like most Russians, they seemed slightly bored with the dire situation they found themselves in. And then they fuck over <laughs> Rump's crumpled body on the floor. Wow. You know, by reading this, though, on a public show, like, we are now on an FBI watch list. <laughs> like, Oh, so. super cute of you to pretend I wasn't already in any <laughs> I mean, the amount of times that I would send you things in the mail and it wouldn't arrive and you would just text yeah. you would just text me, CSIS got it. Like 
let's be clear i will have my passport revoked shortly um it's gonna happen but uh i mean let's be clear i will have my passport revoked shortly um it's gonna happen but uh i mean i found it as much as it was a fucking trip it did give me something to to think of and think about this week instead of what was actually going on in the news which is basically a lot of too close to call too close to call too close to call and then you just feel like you're in this limbo forever so yeah. reading the reading about Putin and lardy mcturd face uh <laughs> <laughs> brought me a tinsy bit of joy now we're gonna stay on theme because next week what are we doing renee the troops we're saluting the troops Woo! Next week is Remembrance Day, so we next episode we will be saluting the troops. Sure will, and I have nothing picked, but it's going to be a doozy. You can bet your buttons on that. Hells yes, we will not disappoint. And on that note, huge thanks to everyone who came out to our Instagram live that we did um, on the 30th of October around Halloween. I had a great time. I had a ball an act like it was so much fun and I loved oh I loved our beautiful tender story <laughs> and the journey getting there like that was it was just a fun fun wrap up for October. agreed and so keep your eyes peeled if you're on the socials because we will be coming at you live at some point before the end of 2020 and we'll want you to join us on that and in the meantime, if you're not following us on the socials, you should, especially because this week Renee's cover is spectacular and you'll see a photo okay. of it if you head online. But also, yeah, tell your friends, review, post a review somewhere, give us some stars. Um, we appreciate all of your feedback. We do. And huge thank you to our three winners of October Bingo. What, what? I was... I wasn't sure people were going to play and then we get to give away our three gift cards. So I'm so excited. Thank you so much for playing and listening. It was so much fun and we love you so much. So um, if you have any other ideas for any cool, fun games, let us know. Um, and yeah, please do post reviews and ratings and things wherever you can, because it helps us a lot. And know that uh yeah we're listening we've had recommendations after our instagram live i had someone slide into my dms and make a couple suggestions and i was like oh perfect those are themes we haven't covered so yeah we are listening and we appreciate you lolling with us especially in these bananas times where a man was elected in south dakota in the u.s except he has just He's, he's dead, Renee. He died of COVID in October and he still got elected to be a senator in the state of North Dakota. That's some fucking dystopian novel bullshit. Like, how is this real? I mean, oh, I for one go. believe that ghosts and liches and the undead should um, be able to run for office um, depending on their politics, of course. Like, did their death and their politics result in them going to hell or being damned for all eternity as a specter, then maybe they should run for office. But if they're choosing to stay on this ethereal plane because they care so much about justice and human rights, then that's okay. I'm, I'm here for those ghosts. All right. I, I like that. I like that nuance. That's a bipartisan response. And I yeah. like it. I like it. 
But yeah, thank you for listening because it gives us an excuse to do something fun every week and kind of spend a few moments ignoring the reality of the world around us. So we hope we brought you joy. Super nice to chat with you, Renee. So nice. Do you want to sing us out? Sure do. Ravage love. Ravage love. Bye. Bye. Artwork for the podcast was created by Karen McKnight. Special thanks to Press Start to Join for production assistance. For gaming and tech news, search Press Start to Join or on social media at PS, the number two, J Show. Connect with us online at Ravage Love on Instagram and by email at ravagelove.podcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.